Good morning, everybody. It's wonderful to see you in church. Who loves Jesus? Who knows they're going to heaven? Yeah, it could be today. Who's ready to go? Come on. Yeah. Bang. One return of Jesus. One rapture and we're all out of here. Amen. I used to run a youth group many years ago. And one of the things I used to have a bit of fun with the young people is I'd say at some point in the youth group meeting, let's just stand on our chairs and get close to God. Then we jump off. And I said, this is rapture practice. Amen. Just rap. You know, maybe we should do that in church one time. Amen. What do you think? (laughs) I'm going to ask you all right now just to indulge me. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like us to sing another song. I just want Rochelle just to come up. That's okay. She doesn't even know where I'm going with this. But there's a song that I sing every second Monday with 34 people who've got dementia. I'm not suggesting anybody's got dementia here. Well, you might have. I don't know. But, um, and we, Rochelle and I, we do a little service there and we sing hymns. But one of the songs that sets everybody on fire is if you're happy and you know it. Would you like to stand with me? Come on, let's sing it. If they can sing it, we can sing it too. So here we go. You ready? If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then you really ought to show. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Again! If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then you really ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Stomp your feet if you're happy and you know it. Stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. If you're happy and you know it, then you really ought to show. If you're happy and you know it, stomp Smile! If you're happy and you know it, give a smile. If you're happy and you know it, give a smile. If you're happy and you know it, then you really ought to show. If you're happy and you know it, give a smile. One more time. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, then you really ought to show it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you've saved us. Thank you, Lord, that we're born again. Thank you, Lord, that you've put your favour upon our lives. Lord, we have so much to be joyful about today. Thank you, Lord, that you chose us, Lord, before the beginning of the world. Lord, you sent your Son to die on the cross for us. How much you must love us today. So, Lord, we bless one another. Lord, we worship you together, Lord. And, Father, as we just turn to your word, we pray that you speak to our hearts. Pray for everybody in this building. They're here today because you wanted them to be here. And we pray every one of them, every person here that will have an encounter with you as we hear the word of God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God, that you're with us. Thank you, Lord, that you're blowing upon our hearts today. And we say to God be the glory in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. let's give the Lord another hand. Amen. You may be seated. 
Hey, you're all good sports. Thanks for indulging me with that song. There's a remarkable uh, character in the Old Testament named Elijah. He lived about 850 BC before Christ. And we read about him in, in the uh, book of First Kings in the Old Testament. Elijah was a really rough character. He was a tough character. And he just loved the Lord desperately, just like you do today. And he was given a message by God to give to the king of Israel, whose name was Ahab. And this Ahab was a notorious, wicked king, very, very wicked man. And his wife was worse than him. Her name was Jezebel. Jezebel was probably the most evil woman in the entire Bible. So you got this evil man, you got this evil woman. And together with her husband, they led the nation of Israel away from God. And instead, they caused Israel to worship other gods. And so God had had enough of the wickedness of Israel. I sometimes wonder whether God has had enough of the wickedness of our world today or Australia today. God had had enough of the wickedness of Israel and their disregard for the blessings he had given to them because he had loved them. And so God sent Elijah with a message of judgment for the king. And this was a message that Elijah had for King Ahab. He said, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, the God I serve, there will be no dew or rain during the next few years until I give the word. And so from that moment on, after he delivered his message, so they began a, a severe three-year drought that soon triggered a famine as Israel's food supplies started to dwindle and things became so very desperate. Now, there have been lots of droughts and famines throughout human history. And in Australia, we're very familiar with droughts. It kind of seems to me that every year there's some part of our continent that's experiencing a drought. So droughts for us are a common occurrence. And droughts can be absolutely devastating. But fortunately for us in Australia, we've never experienced a famine. We've had droughts, but we've never experienced a famine like some other nations have around the world. Thank God that we've never had a famine. Thank God that we've been able to source food somewhere. This crop fails, but we're able to get food from elsewhere. Nonetheless, there is a lot of chatter about climate change, where we're told that the world is heating up and the global climate will change, increasing the probability of more droughts and more famines across the world. However, the most severe climate change period in human history 
is not happening today as some suggest. We know from the Bible. If you know what, if you want to check out history, check out the Bible. We know from the Bible that the earth experienced a drastic climate change event about four and a half thousand years ago. That was in Noah's day when the earth was engulfed by a global flood. That event was not sparked by carbon in the atmosphere, but it was sent by God as a judgment of man's sin at that time. So droughts and floods and famines are a part of our history. Some droughts come because of environmental changes. Some droughts come as the earth reacts to a nation's sin. And some droughts come because God sent the drought as a judgment. In this story, God sent the drought to Israel as a warning to Ahab and Jezebel and the leaders of the nation to turn from their sin. It was a warning. But the drought did not just affect Ahab and Jezebel. It affected everyone in that region and everyone living in Israel. The drought affected good people. The drought affected bad people. The drought even actually affected Elijah the prophet himself. He, he belonged to God. He brought the message, but it affected his life as well. And when droughts and disasters and war come to a nation, irrespective of its reason for happening, lots of people suffer because of it. Now, we are very fortunate to live in a politically stable, wealthy and well-resourced country. And that's why people want to come from other countries to live here in Australia. However, Australia is now in a season that's, where it's going through challenging times just like the rest of the world is. We are still in Australia experiencing a ripple effect from COVID and the upheaval that it's had upon our supply chains and upon businesses, upon people's health. Plus, in the last 18 months, Australia has had over 13 interest rate rises. 13 in 18 months. Along with rising house prices and large increases in rental payments across the nation. And if you don't have a mortgage today and you own your home, own home you've, you're very, very blessed. But now it's become very difficult for people to find a safe place to live. And we meet them regularly. People who can't afford to keep the house. People can't afford to pay the rent. In, an, in addition, the cost of living has escalated. And so people really are feeling the pinch. In addition to that, there's many social problems. Terrible social problems that are causing suffering from family breakdown. So many families are just falling to pieces. And other social problems like mental health issues or depression. It's an epidemic of depression and loneliness. 
Never underestimate how damaging loneliness can be. That's why church is so important. Do you know when we do meet and greet in church, one of the reasons why we do meet and greet is because there's something powerful about giving somebody a handshake. Do you know there's people who come to real life church, you live by themselves and they haven't had somebody touch them all week long. But you can come to church and somebody will give you a hug. Somebody will shake your hand. Meet and greet is not just a trivial thing. It's blessed each other in the name of Jesus. People suffer from loneliness. People suffer from all manner of addictions. And that's well documented, especially addiction to drugs. In fact, while Pastor Raju was saying how we're going to go and pray over at the park on Sunday and sing and worship, Rochelle just leaned over to me and said, and pick up the needles while you're at it. Many social problems. And the list goes on. There's a lot of pain in Australia. So many people have terrible pain. And there's also just a lot of anger. People, people are just angry. You don't want to cut off anybody on the roads. They wave their fist at you. And say bad words. And there's a lot of anger and we're becoming increasingly divided over numerous social issues and you're well aware of what they are. That's, that's the negative stuff. And we here today, we're living right in the middle of it all. We live in a nation that is hurting. And we know that when the nation is hurting, we all hurt with it. Absolutely. Whatever afflicts our nation afflicts everybody who lives here, including Christian people who belong to Jesus. Just because you're a Christian, it doesn't mean you've got a hall pass that says you can be, live a life free from trouble. Jesus said, in the world you will have trouble. Absolutely. Like our, like our neighbours, we also have to, we also have mortgages. We also have rent to pay. Just like our neighbours. You know, if you can't pay your mortgage and, you, you know, and the bank comes chasing their money, you know, if you say... It's okay, I'm a Christian. Like that's going to make a lot of difference. Or you to your landlord, I can't pay my rent today, but lucky for you, I'm a Christian. What difference does that make? We've got, we've got to find money for mortgages, we've got to find money for rent. We also experience, um, you know, we've got to find money for the food. We've got to find money to pay for doctor's bills. There's some people I know, some people stop going to visit the doctors because they just simply can't afford doctor's bills anymore. That's in Australia. We also experience similar sorts of social problems within our families like everyone else. Just because we're Christians doesn't mean the, the children we have are angels. Who knows what I'm talking about? But don't let your kids see you. Put your hand up. <laughs> the Bible says, it, Jesus said this, it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. And so the stress of doing life can make us anxious and weary. Come on, be honest with me. Is it okay for me to be honest today? I mean, 
I'll get to the positive stuff in a minute, but you know, let's not be so super spiritual. Come on, you've got to be honest. There's got to be some days where you, know, you look at the clock, it's time to get up, and in your mind you're thinking, I think I might just stay here today. <laughs> Pull the doona back over. You'd like to do that. Who's, who, yeah, 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 yeah. But of course, you never feel like that on a Sunday morning because you come skipping into church. Amen. <laughs> But come on, we do get anxious, we do fret, we do worry, worry. we do get, you know, we get weary. So during this drought in Israel, now it's affected everybody, it's affected Elijah, but God was looking after Elijah, and and God sent the prophet Elijah to a town called Zarephath. I actually don't know how to say it, Zarephath, I think it's how you say it, Zarephath. Um, And so... God sent Elijah to this little town. And in this town, there was a widow woman. And God told Elijah that if he would go to Zarephath, then this widow would supply him with food, even though they're in the middle of a drought. So I don't know what Elijah expected when he arrived there. Maybe he was expected to meet a wealthy woman. I don't know. But So Elijah traveled to Zarephath. And this is what the scripture says. We've got it on the screens says, he arrived at the gates of the village. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. And he asked her, would you please bring me a little water and a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I could just picture these, what's happening here. He, she was walking to get the water. He says that and she stopped in her tracks. This is what I imagine. And she's got her back to him. And then she slowly turns to say what she's going to say in verse 12. She says, but she said, I swear by the Lord your God that I've got nothing. I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I've only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering it. A few sticks to cook the last meal, and then my son and I will die, and then you showed up. I don't know what Elijah was expecting, but I imagine the first thought was, God, you're going to use her? I think I've met the wrong lady. She's got nothing. She just gave Elijah a bleak and sad response to his arrival. Now, please note, this widow was not responsible for the drought in Israel. The drought was not her fault. And neither was it her son's fault. He had nothing to do with the drought. It was Ahab and Jezebel's fault. But still this widow and her son were suffering terribly because of circumstances way beyond their control. And there was no Centrelink There was no social welfare to help her and nobody from DCP would show up and come and rescue her child. And so this lady had given up all hope. She had become hopeless. She had done everything she could think of to keep her son and herself alive. But now she just ran out of options. She was exhausted She was tired, she was hungry, she was probably depressed and she was afraid. What was she to do? And in the same way, 
our situations in life can be very discouraging. And life can be very unfair. It's not my fault. Why did they put the rates up? It's not my fault. What is going on? I don't deserve this. No, you don't. But it still happened. Things happen outside of our control, oftentimes for no logical reason. The world is crazy because it is a fallen world where bad things happen. And then when you get a run of tough... I'm really depressing everybody this morning, aren't I? I hope I... I'm just talking real and we'll, we'll turn it around. But when, 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 you, when you get a run of... I hope people aren't turning off the Facebook saying, I'm not going to listen to this. <laughs> Hang in with me. But you know when you get a run of tough situations... Have you ever had those days where you, you, know, you go to the car and the battery's flat? And then, you know, I'll tell you about one day I had. I don't know if I told you about this day, but I think I did tell you this. One time, one of the worst days... I got this nice job in the city and I was driving to work and I dressed myself up because I had a business meeting to go to and I was very excited about it. Nice pants, nice shirt. I was driving down the freeway. You know where the lanes merge? I hate merging lanes because people don't know how to merge properly. Anyway, I got a flat tyre under the Canning Bridge over the Mitchell Freeway. You know, where do you park? And I was on this lane so I had to go in the middle of the road. Not a problem, Rob. I've got a spare tyre. So I pulled out the spare tyre, got a little bit of grease on my nice shirt. I was handling it okay. Thank you, Jesus. And then I went to put my spare tyre on, but Rob, it was flat. This is before mobile phones. But they've got those phones along the freeway. Not a problem. I'll just go and ring on one of those. If you try to cross the freeway in peak hour traffic, I nearly got killed 20 times. I was like that. Remember that game Frogger? And the, that was me. I nearly had a heart attack just getting to the other side as people were giving me the finger and everything else. I got to the other side. And I said, I'll ring up. So I got the phone. Well, how are you meant to hear anybody on the phone with all those cars going by? I couldn't hear a thing. So I hung up. I thought, not a problem. I'll go and find a phone box. Who remembers the phone boxes with phones in them? But there was a fence. So I had to climb the fence. So grease on my shirt. I'm flustered, sweaty armpits now. I climb the fence. You know the bit where you throw your leg over? Yeah. Rip right round. Then I found the phone box. Got through to Rochelle. She organised it and blah, 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 blah. And then I had to get, nearly got killed trying to get back. By the time I got to work... I was just grease all over me. It was, it was just one of the worst days of my life, but I still showed up for the business meeting. Amen, amen. I made it. <laughs> you know, when you have one thing happen, happening after another, it's hard to keep going. And then hope becomes more elusive. And we wonder, God, where are you? Where are you, Lord? And the woman... This woman, she, the widow woman, she could not see beyond her circumstances. And the same thing happens to us. Maybe that's how you are today. But this is what Elijah said to her on the screens here. He said, he said don't be afraid because she was. Don't be afraid. Go ahead and do what you've just said. But make a little bread for me first. 
Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. And the Bible says this. So she did as Elijah said. And she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always, there was always, there was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers, just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. This remarkable story is in the Bible to remind you and to remind me that even when hope seems elusive and when everything is going wrong, God still sees us. This story is in the Bible to remind us that God is with us right in the middle of the droughts of life. Even when we can't sense Him, when we can't feel Him, God is with you. Where is Jesus in your drought? He is with you. He is Emmanuel, God with us. He promised that He would never leave you or forsake you. God is with you when you're paying your bills. He's with you when you're sorting your kids out. He's with you when no one else is with you. He's with you. The Bible says, somewhere, amen. (laughs) And God gave us this word, the Bible says. He gave the word, a word to the widow. And God promised that if she would feed Elijah first before making a meal for her son and herself, then God would make sure that she had provision through the drought. And the widow obeyed and she made a meal for Elijah first. And that must have been so hard. It must have been hard for Elijah to say it and ask for it. It must have been hard for her to do it. But against her natural instincts, she obeyed the promise of God. And then when she obeyed the Lord, something happened in a cooking oil jar. Something happened in a flour jar. For every time after that moment, every time she needed a meal, there was always enough oil and flour for her needs. And nothing had changed really because the drought was still happening. The widow woman was still living in the drought. But God provided for her and her son and she survived and she thrived because God is bigger than droughts. God is bigger than rate rises. God is bigger than problems at home. God is bigger than the cost of living. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. God is with you. And the widow of Zarephath, she wasn't destroyed. She didn't die. What a great story. God brought her through and God will bring you through as well. Yes, he will. And now Elijah, he represented God. We've got to remember that. It wasn't just just some guy. He represented God and she recognised that. Elijah represented God to the woman, Zarephath. So when this woman first made a meal for Elijah, she was really first making a meal for God. She put God first above her immediate needs 
and her pain. She abandoned herself upon God. And she threw herself on the mercy of God. Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means his right ways. And all of these things shall be added unto you. And that's what the woman did. When the widow woman fed Elijah first, she was putting God first. And putting God first is an act of worship. That's what's going on here. You know, worship is not limited to singing and lifting our hands. And that's certainly part of it, a very important part of it. It's not limited to that. Worship in its purest sense is where we abandon ourselves to God. We give ourselves over to God and we acknowledge that He is first and foremost in our lives. It's where we let go of our self-sufficiency. We let go of trusting in man, trusting others, and we humbly throw ourselves upon the Lord and we cling to Him. I will not let you go until you bless me. And that's what the woman did. And she abandoned herself to the mercy of God. And God could not help but respond to her in the middle of her dire circumstances. It's not the only one in the Bible who did this. David, the giant killer, did the same thing as the woman of Zarephath when he also was at his lowest point in his life. There was a time before he became king when his own men were so angry with him that they spoke of stoning him to death. They really did. They, along with David, had had their families kidnapped. And these men, and they'd been loyal to David for so long, they just were so upset themselves. And they just had to be angry at somebody and they directed their anger at their leader who they loved, but now they wanted to kill him. And the problem was, David had stuffed up. It was completely his fault. And he, he, he'd caused pain to them and, and he had pain in his own family, his own family being kidnapped as well. It was his fault. And David was distressed. He was depressed. He was deeply discouraged. He had nowhere to turn. Everything that was important to him had been stripped away. But the Bible says that in the middle of his darkest hour, David found strength in the Lord his God. Who do you turn to at your darkest hour? Turn to the Lord. In his hour of despair, he found strength in the name of the Lord his God. How do you find strength in the Lord? Well, we know Isaiah 40 verse 31 tells us. It says, those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait upon the Lord, those who abandon themselves on the Lord, those that worship the Lord, they in the presence of God shall renew their strength. God rescued David that day and those men remained forever then loyal to him and they got their families back. But God rescued David when David abandoned himself to the mercy of God. At your darkest hour, throw yourself upon the mercy of God. When David worshipped the Lord, the atmosphere of heaven was poured upon his men and family and God turned the drought time into a harvest time. Amen. We also read in the Bible about the time when the attention of Jesus was caught by a very poor woman who had come to worship the temple in, at the temple in Jerusalem. Crowds of people were just everywhere. 
People were dropping in huge amounts of money into the money buckets of the, for the temple. But this very poor woman came along and she dropped in two small, very small copper coins. And these two coins had very little value. In today's value, it'd be like something like 45 cents. It really is. It was about 45 cents she put in there. Yet Jesus said this. He said, this widow woman or this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given, given everything. She's given everything she has. Something was going on with this lady, this nameless lady. Something was happening. Let's read between the lines. What was going on in her life? Her actions showed that she was throwing herself upon the mercy of God. She had nothing left. This is it, God. I'm throwing myself everything upon you. She gave the Lord everything she had. And it kind of sounds like she was in the middle of her own personal drought. And so she gave to the Lord as her worship to Him. She abandoned herself on the mercy of God. And no one noticed her. No one noticed this, this lady except one person. Jesus noticed her. And he's the only one that really matters. Jesus always notices those who worship him. Jesus always notices when people abandon themselves to him and his mercy and to his faithfulness. Jesus notices you and he loves you deeply. Brothers and sisters, in conclusion, things in Australia are going to get worse. The world's falling apart. And there's no doubt about that. But let's not give way to fear. Don't give way to fear. Rather, in the middle of the ups and downs of life, Remember to put God first, whatever the season. Worship God. Trust God. Abandon yourself to the mercy and love of God. And though the droughts come to you and to your family, God will bring the atmosphere of heaven onto your jar of oil and your jar of flour in Jesus' name. He will provide for you. He will provide natural things but also provide you with wisdom and he will provide answers to your prayers. It doesn't matter what the nation is going through. It doesn't matter what the price of fuel and food will be. It doesn't matter if the economy collapses or even if a famine came. When you worship, when you put God first, when you abandon yourself to God, he will sustain you, he will protect you, and he will bring you through by his mighty power in Jesus' name. Now, I'm really serious about this today. May the Lord seal this word in your heart for future years. Because I don't know what's ahead for you, but I know God is with you. May the Lord bring this message back to your remembrance in times of drought either physically or in your family, whatever, may this word be sealed away in your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. I was wondering if you'd stand with me. I just want to capture a moment where we could just abandon ourselves upon the Lord. I've asked the team if they would be kind enough just to sing a few old songs that most of you know, or perhaps. One of them is, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Also wants to sing, I exalt thee, 
And I also want us to sing, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. And whether you're up or whether you're down, over the next couple of minutes, would you worship with us today? Would you do that? And maybe you are in a drought. Well, throw yourself upon the mercy of God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Let's sing.